Merry Christmas. Hard to believe. Um, here we are, another Christmas already. I'm excited about uh, this message tonight that the Lord has given me. I hope it'll be an encouragement to you. Turn to Matthew chapter 2, if you would, this evening. Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture, uh, bits and pieces here and there, to uh, piece this together tonight. But um, <clears throat> I do hope that it comes together for you. Uh, thank you, ladies, for that song. Um, that first Noel, uh, the first verse uh, starts out with the uh, angels there and the poor shepherds in the fields. And then the second verse already, they looked up and saw a star shining in the east beyond them far. And uh, so it sure seems like at least the writer of this psalm believed that uh, that star that was shining down upon those shepherds would be the star that would guide them. By the light of that same star, three wise men came from country far to uh, seek for a king was their intent to follow the star wherever it went. So um, I don't know about you, but when I first walked in here uh, a couple weeks ago and I saw this picture here, my first reaction was that there's something wrong with this light coming down the middle of the poster. Anybody think like that? And then I had to look up, and I'm like, oh, there's a star shining down, and then it all made sense to me. But um, uh, I'm going to be preaching about this idea tonight, uh, the message of Christmas in the stars, the message of Christmas in the stars. So uh, I have uh, been intrigued for a very long time with um, outer space and planets and stars, always been interesting to me, then a a good while ago, I came across a book that only fed my uh, desire to learn more, and so then this kind of this thought has developed from that, and uh, I hope that uh, it will be a blessing to you tonight. It's going to be an encouraging message, at least it's just really encouraging for me, and I hope that it'll be the same for you as well. Matthew chapter 2, and now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east... To Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. We have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for this Christmas time. Thank you for uh, how special it is to us as believers to know that Jesus Christ came to this earth, left the, the glory of heaven, and uh, came and, and uh, represented himself with his own creation, mankind. And Lord, we thank you that uh, that was uh, sufficient for the grace of God, for the, the justice of God to be satisfied. And uh, we thank you that he died on a cross for us and that uh, he was born to die, as that song says. I pray that you'd help us tonight to be challenged from your word about this idea of the stars and what they mean. We thank you for all that you've done for us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but already here at Christmas time, I'm eating beyond what I should be eating. So I feel like I have to take a deep breath every so often, you know. But um, we will get through this tonight and... Uh, you know how it goes, uh, first week of January, that's when the uh, resolutions hit. <clears throat> what was this star 
that these wise men saw in the east looking to the west. And where are these men coming from? Well, the the east is the area of Mesopotamia, probably modern-day Iraq, probably from somewhere near Babylon where astrologers and wise men were commonly known for studying the stars. Daniel chapter 2 mentions that Daniel was one of the wise men who personally served the king in Babylon and that he had great wisdom in, in discerning the times. We know that this star had appeared at a certain specific time and was not visible before then. And it must have been miraculously bright as it got the attention of the astrologer's world, the astronomer's world. I personally think that this star had something to do with the angels who came to visit the shepherds at Bethlehem. Verse 7 of our chapter here says that Herod, when he called the wise men together there at Jerusalem, that he inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. So he wanted to know when that star had appeared. There was significance there. Verse 16 then says it again. That Herod knew how to set the parameters of who he wanted to kill in Bethlehem. From two years old and under according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. So that time of that star appearing gave him the information that he needed to go after those who were two and below. It looks to me like this star had miraculously appeared in the west. The wise men were aware of its significance and its message. I personally think that it's very possible that they had remnants of scripture left. Um, Astrologers and astronomers certainly looked to old and historical documents to see things about the stars. And the Old Testament has a number of prophecies that talk about stars. And Daniel had been in Babylon. And so all of those things kind of say to me that it's possible they had even heard of some of these events from uh, the prophecies of Scripture. But anyway, they come to Jerusalem, these wise men do. They come to Jerusalem to the capital of Judah to find what that star had revealed to them and relayed to them. So the star had a message. And it's very obvious here in verse number two. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? There's a king that has come down to earth. And the star announced this revelation of this king who had come down to earth. Not only that... We are come to worship him. Well, in ancient culture, it's kind of normal to have a God king, where your king is a God, and you believe that somehow this king uh, in his position came down from heaven, some mythical story that goes along with that. But uh, they certainly believed that this individual, this person that the star had told them about, was a king, number one, and that he was a god. The god king, Jesus Christ. Where is he that is born king? We are come to worship him. And so, I I hope not to get too meticulous. I don't want to put you to sleep. This was very fun for me. I've been studying this for quite a while and a long time. I've preached a message that my ensemble members have heard 
many times that, that deals with some of this. <clears throat> but um, I, I hope you'll stay with me as I kind of track the stars through the Bible and see what the message is in the stars. <clears throat> is this the first time that God had used stars to give his message? And the answer is an emphatic no, this is not the first time. In fact, it's every night, and we'll get to that in a minute. First, I want you to see that God created the stars. All the kids know these uh, facts as well. Genesis 1.16, the, the five words, right? He made the stars also. And when you think of just the vast universe and the, the millions of... Now, you go outside, you, around here, you don't see millions of stars, right? You might see in, in the number you can count on one hand sometimes, you know? Um, just because of the lighting around here and, and, and so on. But um, recently I was out west and you go outside at night. I was out in Iowa, Iowa, yes, uh, this summer with the ensemble and went outside and the stars were just magnificent. And uh, uh, somebody told me about an app that you can download on your phone and uh, you point it to the sky and as it takes the picture of the stars, it outlines the constellations of the stars for you. But, but the Bible says in Genesis 1.16, he made the stars also. Psalm 136.5 says, to him that by wisdom made the heavens. To him that by wisdom made the heavens. So not only did God create the stars, but he created the stars with order. He appointed them and set them in their places. David, King David, looked at this sight of the stars about 3,000 years ago and exclaimed this, When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, and that word ordained is the idea of organized or set. He set the stars. When I consider that, David says, What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him, Psalm 8, 3 and 4. So David saw this view and he realized it was much more than just stars flung out in space by random chance. The stars were put in space by a God who put them where he wanted them. They weren't, uh, sorry, even, I'm repeating myself. Even without the help of modern science to speak of light years and universes, pulsars and spiral nebulas, David was struck by the wonder of the night sky and that God considered mere human beings as important. Constellations have been recognized by astronomers from very ancient times. Some of these constellations are still very well known today. If you go outside on any clear evening, you can see the Big Dipper and you can see um, the, the constellation known as Orion, and, and there's many others that you can find in the night sky. Really interesting. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 40, and verse number 12, and this, again, just passages, I have these written down so I don't have to look them up for, for time's sake, but Isaiah 40, verse 12 says that God meted out, or he measured out the heaven with the span. With, with the width of his hand, he measured out the heavens and he put 
those stars and the moon and the sun, he put them where he wanted them. Isaiah 40 verse 22 then goes on to say that God stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. So God put the stars in their places where there's Many songs, I, I was, you know, when you're preaching uh, on stars and you know you're getting up here, everything I hear, I apply to my message. And that over and over, the songs we sang tonight were mentioning the stars. They're, the stars are a central part of the Christmas story. But not only did God create the stars and he appointed the stars, but he named the stars. He named the stars. Psalm 147, verses 4 and 5 says this. Again, written by David. He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. So the stars have names given by God. I, I remember there was, used to be a commercial where you could name a star after somebody. And uh, I've always thought, you know, the Bible says that's not... They're renaming something because all the stars are already named by God. And then the next verse says, great is our Lord, I guess. Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. So God names the stars. And if you know anything about God and his naming of things, all his names come with meanings. He named the courses of the heavens. They're called constellations, the groups of stars that are clumped together. And there are sets of constellations grouped together in bigger constellations and, and so on. Uh, to the Hebrews, to the Chinese, to the ancient Aztecs, to the Babylonians, to the Norsemen, to the Egyptians, they all talked about the constellations of the stars. And all of those have the same root names with the same exact meanings. And I'll give you some examples of that here in a little bit. Different languages, but the same names. And the individual stars have the same names and meanings also to all ancient civilizations. That brings me to my main point. I just love this. Turn, if you would, to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. So God created the stars... And he set the stars, and he named the stars. And now look at Psalm 19. He put a message in the stars. He put a message in the stars. I apologize that I'm reading a lot tonight. I'm trying to get everything the way I thought it through, and, and so it requires me reading more than I normally like to. But there's a message in these in, in the stars. Let's read Psalm 19. We'll start in verse number one. By the way, the first six verses talk about the, the creation of the world. And then the last part of this chapter, 7 through 14, talks about the word of God. The world and the word, all given by God. But look at verses one through four. The heavens declare the glory of God. So, the heavens have a message and they declare forth the glory of God. And it's much more than just pure awe at the number of stars or at the unique features of the stars or the immense size of the stars. I was 
reading some about, uh, you know, some of the stars and how huge they are. And it's impossible to comprehend, you know, the closest star to the earth. And then it goes from there and how far away these are. I mean, it's just impossible to comprehend. But the Bible says that these heavens declare the glory of God. And it's much more than the fact that he just put them out there in the vast expanse and the colors and, and uh, the size. It's much more than that. Read on. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Look at verse 2. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. The nighttime shows knowledge. About what? What is it in the nighttime that is revealed, that knowledge that's revealed? Verse 3. There is no speech nor language, there's no culture, there's no language where their voice, whose voice? The voice of the heavens, the voice of the stars, is not heard. There's no ancient civilization that doesn't recognize that there's order to the stars and there's names for the stars and the constellations and that there's a message there. Now, it's been totally corrupted. And I'll get to that. But, uh, but the truth is, God established the stars. He's the one who put them where they are. He named them. It is his doing, great is our Lord and of great power. There's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth. Now, the word line, it literally is referring to a message or a sound Their sound, their message is gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. Wow. The message of the stars is everywhere. And we'll see what that is, what that message is. Genesis 1.14 says that the lights in the heavens are to be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Signs and seasons, the the stars and the, the lights in the sky are there for signs. They have a message. They were ordained by God to indicate happenings and the periods of time pertaining to those events. The stars and constellations, I've I've seen this uh, many times throughout my life growing up. I've seen these constellations, and I see the constellation, for example, of Uh, Orion, and there's three stars kind of at an angle, and then there's a star above and another one above and two down below, and the message is that that is a person. And I look at that and I say, that has nothing to do with a person. It's just random stars. Well, that's exactly the point. The picture, the representation that is in what what you might look at as random stars, the picture that's there is universal, In ancient history, they all looked at that group of stars and they said, Orion, the three stars are the belt and the right shoulder and the left shoulder. And he's holding the skin of a slain lion and he's got his right foot up and it's on top of a snake. The serpent is about to have his head crushed and so on. The whole picture, and I look at it and I say, it's just a big cluster of stars. But the stars have meaning. There's a message there that's recognized Throughout the entire world. 
So there's nothing in the pattern of the stars themselves to indicate the meanings attached to them. The fact that the signs of the zodiac, which don't be scared of that word, I'll get back to that. They bear little resemblance to the pictures associated with them. That should confirm our faith. Because every ancient culture recognizes the same 12 star groups. And the same names and the same meanings because they come from the same source. God named them and gave them meaning. David said here that the heavens declare God's glory. When I, uh, when I think of God's glory in the book that we've been doing for our uh, devotions, uh, talks a lot about God's glory. God's glory was revealed you know, in the face of Jesus Christ. God's glory was revealed there in the, in the angels at Bethlehem. And, and on and on, God's glory was revealed on the Mount of Transfiguration. And David says here, the heavens declare God's glory. The stars had a divine purpose. They comprised a pictorial presentation of what God was going to do in history concerning the suffering and the glory of the coming Savior. Now, you might ask, what in the world does this have to do with the Bible here? Let's give you a little bit more of some verses that I, to be honest with you, didn't know existed until about five years ago. I had never thought about. Is there any reference to the typical signs of the zodiac? The 12 main constellations in the Bible. By the way, the word zodiac is the idea of a circle. It's the idea of a of a sign, of a circle that includes all the 12 signs. Thought about having pictures in here tonight, but didn't, didn't work that out. But, but in the Bible, there is mention of this. So let's look at the book of Job, chapter 38. By the way, Job probably had a very unique view of the night sky, very different than what we would, maybe not very different, but very much more explicit, but much more detailed than what we would have today. Job chapter 38 and verse number 31. And this is God speaking to Job. Remember, Job is, you know, he, at the end of Job, he's kind of talking about all his problems and, and takes it to the Lord. And the Lord says at the beginning of this chapter, um, who created the foundations of the earth? And God speaks the whole chapter and says, look, I made all of this. This is my doing. Look at verse 31. Canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pleiades or loose the bands of Orion? Now, both of those names, that, those aren't people's names in the Bible, just so you know. Those are constellations of stars, many, many millions of stars in each of those. <clears throat> Pleiades and Orion, the bands of Orion. Can you, can you move the stars, Job? Those stars are set where I put them. Can you move them? Isn't it something how in our lives we think that we have things under control? And just like that, I mean, everything can change in a moment. And it just reminds us again, you know, of what's really important in life. It reminds us of the fact that we're really not in control. There's only one that's in control. Canst thou do those things, Job? And then look at the next verse. Canst thou bring forth Maseroth in his season? Now, the word Maseroth is used twice in the Bible. This time it's, 
is spelled Mazaroth. Another place, I believe in Isaiah, it's, it said Mazaloth. But it means the same thing. I forget where the other passage is actually. But Mazaroth, Mazaloth, it means directly the 12 signs. The zodiac. The signs of the constellations of the stars. Or canst thou guide, he says, or canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons. Arcturus is a constellation with his sons. The sons there in the book of Job several times is referred to as the stars. The sons of God shouted for joy. It's the stars that were there at creation. But that's not the point. Anyway, I did a little research on Arcturus. I just decided I'm going to look up and see what Wikipedia says about Arcturus. And the first thing it said, Arcturus was named by the ancient Greeks. And I thought, wait a second. The ancient Greeks were around 500 B.C. This was written before 500 B.C. In fact, it was probably written about 2000 B.C. (laughs) So uh, that's wrong. I know, shocker, right? Wikipedia is wrong. Arcturus, a, there's an individual star called Arcturus, but the, the, the constellation with his sons. Can you do anything about that, Job? And I think God asks us that same question. Are, are you in charge of the night sky? <laughs> you know, man-made global warming. We can't even influence our own world, much less the night sky. Mazaroth means the 12 signs. Many of us have been brought up to associate the 12 signs with the pseudoscience of astrology and horoscopes. And I understand that. I always have. Yes, it's true that astrology uses the signs of the zodiac in a corrupted form. But it's not true that they originated those 12 signs. God did. God brings the signs into view in the night sky at the proper time of the year for his own glory. Many of these stories have been twisted by Babylonian astrologers and expanded by Greeks into fantastic myths. The basic core of the facts remains the same. The constellations are named, the name meanings are the same, wherever they're found in the history of the world. That's the amazing thing. The earliest pictures, let me give you some examples real quick of several constellations. The first one, and again, this is not according to modern day, the, the modern day uh, 12 signs. But um, the first one, according to some very old signs of the zodiac is Virgo, which is the constellation, of course, Virgo means the virgin mother. In the Hebrew, this constellation is called Bethula, which means virgin. In the Hebrew, sorry, in the, uh, the Arabic world, the constellation is called Adara, which means virgin. The Greeks called it Parthenos, which means virgin. Thank you. Some of the stars in this series of constellations in the first sign of the zodiac are these. Let me give you some of these star and some of the names. I'll try to just go quickly. Spica, a star, it means the branch. There's four times in the Hebrew Old Testament that this Hebrew word for spica is used. And every single one of them are in direct reference 
to Jesus Christ, the coming branch. The star next to Spica means gloriously beautiful. Isaiah chapter 4 verse 2 says, In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious. Amen. Other meanings in the constellation of stars, Virgo, are, here's some name meanings from that constellation. The sun who comes, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The branch who comes, ear of wheat, corn of wheat, the desired son, the despised, the lamb, the sin offering, star names, the heretofore and the hereafter, the pierced one, the coming shepherd, and we could continue on for a long time. Many, many star names in that constellation alone that point to Jesus Christ. My son and I, we've kind of gotten into uh, stargazing a little bit over the last couple of years when I discovered a few things. And uh, one of the constellations we like to look at, it's real easy to find uh, up in that night, part of the night sky, most times of the year, is Orion. Can you imagine an early believer in the history of the world telling his children the story of Orion? It was a common story. All of these stories have become corrupted, but the stories themselves were original. Orion is to remind us, the name Orion means Prince of Light. In one hand, he holds a great club. In the other hand, the skin of a slain lion. All that's represented, there's just a star that's in a certain position, but everyone knows that that star is a picture of a club or of a dagger of some kind. This shows his victory over the roaring lion Satan. At the feet of the mighty Prince Orion is the serpent. One foot of the prince is raised to crush the head of that serpent. The star that's in the right foot, the raised foot, the name of that star is Rigel. And don't, don't hold me to these pronunciations. Rigel. You know what that name means? It means the foot that crushes. The other star in the other foot means bruised. Think of Genesis 3.16. The star in the shoulder of the figure, and oh my goodness, Betelgeuse which I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it means the coming of the branch. The star in the other shoulder, Bellatrix, means swiftly destroying. The right-hand star in his belt means the wounded, and on and on and on. How about the final stage of the Zodiac? Leo, long before the Greeks invented their myths about the exploits of Hercules, Leo was a well-known astronomical sign telling the story of a lion hunting down its prey, of gaining total and final victory over his enemies. Without exception, the oldest zodiacs picture Leo as a lion. Now believe me, I put no stock whatsoever. You know, people have asked me, what are you? Are you an Aries? I've never put any stock in that. All I'm interested in is the scriptural side of this. But without exception, these zodiacs picture Leo as a lion. And it's the final stage. Leo is the final stage in these old pictures of the zodiac, uh, of the movement of the stars. And of course, it fits with the book of Revelation. Revelation 5.5 5 says, Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, 
hath prevailed. He's prevailed. The lion of the tribe of Judah. So again, uh, we see all of these things pointing to Christ. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And I'll try to wrap this up real quick. Romans chapter 10, famous, well-known verses here. Romans 10 talks about the, uh, the uh, way of salvation. Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. By the way, that's a quote from the book of Joel. So Paul here is quoting uh, Old Testament prophets. Verse 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now I'm thankful as you are for the word of God. I'm thankful that we have the word of God and I'm thankful for preachers who preach the word of God as this is said. Without that, we, we wouldn't have nearly the amount of information about God, the revelation of God as we would otherwise. Obviously so. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But then look at the next verse. Paul asked this interesting question in verse 18. But I say, have they not heard? Now, the obvious answer is yes. Paul says here, what do you mean? Haven't they already heard? Yes, I'm thankful for scripture, but they already heard this stuff. And then Paul does an unbelievable thing. He quotes Psalm 19 where we just read a little bit ago. The message of the heavens he, get, he brings forth. Look at verse number 18. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily. Their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. In the, in the book of Psalms, it says their line went to the... It means the same thing. The sound, what sound? The sound of the heavens, the message of salvation, the message of redemption in the stars. The message of the heavens is the same message of salvation through faith in Christ. Paul concludes, of course, that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But then he brings out the point that the gospel was revealed to the ancient Jews as well as to the entire world through the message of the stars. That the gospel taught in Romans was first revealed in the stars. The grand truth is that God made the stars for a witness to mankind of a coming Redeemer. Before man even needed the Redeemer. Think about this. The great wisdom of God. Before man even sinned his first sin. God had put the stars in the sky with their message of redemption. On the fourth day of creation. He put them... There, knowing what man would need and what we would see. And of course, eventually over time, he gave us that redeemer that had been promised. So much of this prophecy, much of this message in the stars has already been fulfilled. Definitely some of it has not. The year is approximately 1400 BC. Right before entering the land of Canaan, the children of Israel had come to a little 
town, a little place just across the Jordan Valley from the city of Jericho. They, they, it was called Abel Shatim or Shatim. They were camped around this city on the east side of this great natural amphitheater directly overlooking the Jordan Valley. In Numbers 33, the campsites are listed where the children of Israel traveled in the wilderness. And of course, you guessed it, the last campsite that they come to in chapter 33 of Numbers is Shittim, where they're going to camp until they cross into Jericho. <clears throat> Numbers 33, verses 49 and 50 says, And they pitched by Jordan from Beth Jeshemoth, even unto Abel Shittim, in the plains of Moab. And the Lord spake unto Moses in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho. So here they are. They're in Moab. They're about to cross over into the land of Canaan. And this unusual story happens. The king of Moab, Balak, was terrified of the children of Israel. In Numbers 22.5, he says this. There is a people come out from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth. And they abide over against me. And he says to Balaam, Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me. So he calls for Balaam to come and curse these people. Balaam, of course, is not supposed to go. But eventually he goes, and that's a whole different story. But Balak takes Balaam to three mountain peaks around Abel Shatim. The first place was a place called Baal, Baal. Bamoth Baal, where the Bible says in uh, Numbers 22, verse 41, that he could only see the outskirts. It, the, the specific wording in the, in the Bible is the utmost part of the people. And uh, I've, I've seen where the viewpoint from this mountain, looking at Abel Shatim, you, it would have definitely been uh, difficult. They would have just seen the outlying tents. And the Bible says, of course, that Balaam... Uh, he prophesied there, but he didn't prophesy what Balak wanted him to prophesy. Instead, Balaam says uh, he sees Israel and can only bless them. I'll, I'll get to some other things here, but then he's taken to the top of Mount Pisgah. Now, when you're a kid, you know, you sing from Pisgah's lofty heights, I view my home and take my foot. The word Pisgah there, the, the place is Mount Nebo. It's the same place, and there are several uh, places in scripture where they're named together. It's the same place. From there, from Pisgah, he sees the glory cloud over the tabernacle. So he's a little closer to Abel Shatim. And there he says in chapter 23, verse 21 of Numbers, he said, the Lord his God is with him. I guess he is because he's looking at it. He sees that glory cloud and he says, those people have God's presence with them. Well, again, Balak's not happy with this. And so, finally, Balak takes Balaam even closer to another place called Beth Peor. Beth Peor. It's a, it's a tell now, a, a mountaintop overlooking directly down into Abel Shatim, where the children of Israel are gathered together. There in Numbers 24, 2, the Bible says that Balaam lifted up his eyes and he saw Israel abiding in his tents. I mean, he can see the people right down below there. And it's here at Beth Peor that Balaam makes this classic, famous star prophecy. Numbers chapter 24, verses 15 and 17. I'll just touch on it. 
The Bible says in Numbers 24, 15, and he took up his parable and he said, and then jumped to verse 17, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh, not near, not soon, but eventually. And then he says this, there shall come a star out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. A star is coming out of Jacob. And a scepter will rise out of Israel. Who is that star that would rise out of Jacob? It's capitalized here in our King James Bible. It's a star. It's a person. It's somebody. There are many symbols of stars in Jewish pictures and drawings. Of course, the most famous is the Jewish star of David. Jews claim that David was the star that would come out of Jacob. And the belief that the star is Jesus Christ, that's a Christian idea. That's a modern idea. Well, so is this prophecy only a prophecy about David? From ancient times, stars were the symbols of gods. Many ancient drawings of gods include a king, and I've seen many pictures of this from ancient Assyrian, Babylonian, The king is almost always looking at a star to get direction. And the point is, the star is his God. It's telling him what to do. Only the the star is the only thing that can influence a king. That's the idea. So, let me find my place here again. So, many ancient drawings of gods include the king looking to the star, the God, for authority. Amos 5.26 says this. He saw the children of Israel worshiping their images, the star of your God, which ye made to yourselves. False gods were often pictured as stars, but of course the true God is the star of Jacob. I'm getting ahead of myself. So this is a prophecy that God would come down. The star of Jacob is coming down to the line of Jacob. And in that something, here come the wise men and they say, we want to worship this person. This person that we found out in the stars. What about the scepter that would rise out of Israel? Well, it's obvious, right kids? A scepter is something that only a a king would have. So uh, in many ancient drawings and carvings, I was at the Oriental Institute in Chicago a few weeks ago, and I see pictures and stuff, drawings, and and usually a drawing of a king included some kind of a scepter in his hands. Scepters are the property of kings only. So this is a prophecy that a king is coming down to men through the line of Israel. This is the star and scepter prophecy. Numbers chapter 24. It's the announcement of a coming God king. The God king is coming to the earth. And he's coming through the line of Jacob. God used wicked Balaam to announce to Israel that someday their creator is coming to earth. And he would be a human God king. One more final twist to this interesting story about Balaam. North to south, along those same mountain peaks, on the Transjordan side, the opposite side of the Jordan from Canaan, there's an ancient road known as the King's Highway, and I looked it up again today just to make sure that that was the case. The Romans used this road, rebuilt it, 
And then they made an east-west road that goes right down through Beth Peor. And it's mentioned in Roman documents as Beth Fagor, means Beth Peor. It's the same place. And, and at Beth Peor, there are Roman milestones along the road where it used to be obviously a Roman road that went into the valley, past Shittim, across the Jordan Valley, over to Jericho, then up the west side of the valley all the way to Jerusalem. Matthew 2, 1 and 2 tells us that there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. The logical route for those coming from the east was to come down that king's highway, turn off at Beth Peor, head down through the valley. Isn't that something? At the very place where Balaam said the star prophecy that Jesus Christ is, or that God and the king are coming down to the earth. The very place where that happened is where the wise men also come walking by, fulfilling that prophecy. As they come by Beth Peor, 1,400 years later, the very prophecy that Balaam announced that a God king would come out of Israel. Can I just read to you a couple of passages, verses, and i got to stop. I'm way long. Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus is the brightness of his glory. The brightness of God's glory. Revelation 22.16 says this. Last chapter in the Bible says this. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David. I am the root and the offspring of David. And the bright and morning star. Jesus said it himself. He's the star that was announced. He's the one who, the God who had come down to earth. Do you realize how unbelievable, how immense, how wise, how infinite our God, King, really is? Isn't that something? We, we have a God who organized all of this. We have a God who set it up. We have a God who came to earth as one of us, as a king on earth. He hasn't fulfilled that yet, by the way. Someday he will. And, and all the things that happen in this world of ours, all the things that we experience as human beings, if there's one thing we can remember, we have a God, king, who came to earth, who oversees absolutely everything in the universe. Don't you think he oversees us? What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? He's mindful of us. Full mind. His mind is full about the thought, with the thoughts of the children of men. And full of the thoughts about the stars and everything else in the entire universe at the same time. So if there's anything to me, I don't know if this is an invitation even type message. It's just a message where we can say God's in control. None of us are in control. Young people, that we serve a God who would ask us to put our complete trust and faith in him. And to get our eyes off the temporary, get our eyes off the things of the world. Read Isaiah chapter 40. He talks a lot about this idea, just... Get your mind off of the things that are going to fade away in this life 
and put your mind on the true God king that came down to the earth. And that's who the wise men were looking for. And all the little questions that we have about how, you know, how, did the star follow them? All I don't know about all those things, but I do know this. They found the God king. And they gave him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They knew it was the God king in that form of that little boy at that house in Bethlehem. We have a God king on this earth. That's the message of the stars here at Christmas time. First Noel. Then entered in those wise men three fell reverently upon their knee. Uh, how about um, verse, uh, the couple of verses of joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. It's the second verse. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. We have a king, we have a savior, a God king. And it's all evidenced in the stars. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this uh, night. Thank you so much for Christmas time. Lord, there's many things that I don't understand. I, I'd love to someday when I get to heaven. But Lord, thank you that you reveal some of these things to us from your word. And Lord, help us not to allow the world's interpretations of these things to steal uh, the greatness of what you have done in the stars. And Lord, I pray that we not be afraid of that, but that it would build our faith in you and build our trust and know that you have ordained all these things. So we thank you for that. Please bless this evening, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.